Welcome to the Press Conference Podcast, where we bring you the pressing information nobody asked for. I'm your host, Dave, and I'm here with my co-host, Phil. How's it going, man? Not bad, man. How about you? Yeah, going good. Going good. I'm pumped for this episode, dude. Yeah, pretty keen. It's been, well, we've both had four-day weekends. Yep. Um, I've got two more days, um, mm. and it's all I've been thinking about the last few days is, um, you know, the power rankings for this episode, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to hear what we talk about. Can I just say, this has been probably one of the most stressful lead-ups to an episode I think we've we've had, even even more stressful than the first, because there's so much weight in our decisions here. I think this is arguably, though, the first band that we've done that we both really love. Yeah. Like, I think we've done bands that we've both liked, or one of us has loved and the other one has liked. Mm-hmm. This is the first episode where I think we've really done a heavy hitter for both of us. So, yeah. Um, I, and we haven't spoken about it, so I actually don't know what your favourites are going to be um, at all. So, moment of truth for both of us. I have an idea. I think we'll, we may have a couple of crossovers, but uh, I don't know. You like to throw a curveball, so we'll oh, see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I, I don't want to give too much away. Um, no, either. But long weekend, AFL Grand Final weekend for those Australian listeners. Um, what did you do for it? Uh, just headed to a mate's place and watched it. Watched it on TV. It was a bit of a fizzer, yeah. Game and then, um, yeah, just it just hit up another mate's house afterwards and, and just kind of caught up with some old footy mates. It was it was quite good. What about you? Um, I just stayed at home. It was. I'm glad I did because it was a crap game. Um, yeah. I had the days off work. Uh, even I've got tomorrow and Tuesday off as well. Or the Tuesday. This is coming out on Tuesday, but the two days before off. Um, just in case the Brisbane Lions did make the granny, they obviously got smacked, um, in the prelim. So just kind of stayed at home. It was a crap game. Um, so it was actually quite nice, just relaxing and yeah, it's been good. Yeah. It's great to have a couple of days off, especially this time of the year. It gets a bit busy for everyone, just heading into that Christmas rush. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So you had any latest pickups? I have picked up a few things actually. Uh, I went to... Resist on Friday, oh, and yes. um, I went with our, one of our friends, Michael Webby, um, mm-hmm. and he we made a trade um, a while ago, and he gave me a Terra, the EP uh, test press, mm-hmm. uh, which I was really stoked on, and he actually gifted me a Defeater record, um, Abandoned, which I'm super grateful for, uh, amazing album. And then when I was there, I picked up a Jack's Mannequin record, just a music on vinyl press. Yep. Um, Fuck, what was the other one I picked up? I picked up uh, La Dispute Tiny Dots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. So I um, picked that up. Uh, it's been on my list for a while and, you know, I've been looking at it for for a bit and I thought, what better time than now to get it? Yeah, it's a pretty cool live release, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've one of our mates got it a while ago and he was he stayed in my house for the, for the weekend and I listened to it then. And I forgot how much I really enjoyed the instrumental side mm-hmm. or like the score side, should I say, <clears throat> to the doco. Uh, so yeah, it was great spinning it. It was really good. Awesome. What about you? I actually had a grand final day delivery. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had anything come in this week. Nice. Um, so I had um, Alpha Wolf, A Quiet Place to Die, come in. Yeah, so nice. So I picked that up. 
um, of our friend Pikey. He uh, had picked up a collection and was letting some of the stuff go, and um, I swooped in and grabbed that. So I've been I've been after that for a hot minute since mm. we were supposed to see them back in June. Um, Did you give it a spin yet? Not yet. No, I haven't had the time, Oof. but I'm super keen. Actually, yeah, really, I love that record. I think we got the same press. You got like the orange with black smoke, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice press. Yeah, yeah. And it goes well with the artwork and, and all that kind of stuff. And it looks yeah. cool. It'll sound awesome, hopefully. And I have, to, I, I have to play it when I can turn it up really loud, though, I think. Absolutely. Like, it's not a record that you can, yeah, go half at it. So yeah. um, that's a good pickup. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen as. Before we get into the pressing topic for the week, I've really enjoyed doing the feature albums uh, or pressing suggestion. What have you got for us this week? People who know me will uh, probably have guessed this one already, but um, my pressing album this week is No Oblivion by No Devotion. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so it's a bit of a, I guess you could say, super group. It's It's the aftermath of the cancellation of Lost Profits. So uh, it's the remaining two members... Um, and the singer of Thursday, Jeff Rickley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they previously bought out a, an album back in like 2016, I think I, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really grab me until I picked up on vinyl. And then um, they released this uh, two weeks ago and uh, I really like listened to it all week pretty much. And it, it's really good. It's not what you would expect from like Jeff or the guys from Lost Profits. So it's not, uh, it's not anything like that. It's like indie rock, a little bit electronic. It's really kind of chilled and laid back. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to grab that soon. It's up on velocity still. Uh, yeah. I miss those. They had some really cool pre-orders where you could get lyric sheets that were signed and stuff like that. Like handwritten stuff. That? Yeah. Mr. Spewing. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know what happened. I think we we're in, in some other, uh, they went really quick. So they would have gone up overnight. And yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember you talking about pre-orders for that. So no. they, they, so were, they, were, they came and went really quick. So, yeah. um, yeah. So the two songs I will, um, I'm going to recommend are Starlings. So Starlings is the opener and, mm-hmm. uh, the second track is midway through and it's called love songs from fascist Italy. Oh, lovely. Are they, yeah. are they, are they good love songs? <laughs> That's a bad joke. <laughs> <clears throat> no, very good. I'll need to give that a listen. Yeah. It's, um, it seems like one more, like one last thing. It seems like an extension of the last Thursday album called No Devolution. So. Oh, really? Yeah. It kind of seems in that kind of realm. So it's kind of cool because it could, could pass as a. A final Thursday album, which I found out during the week is n- probably never going to happen. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. I know that ever since we've been talking, you're like, oh, Thursday's going to release a record and they're <laughs> yeah. going to tour Australia with My Chem and it's going to be this yeah. big thing. <laughs> they're still going to tour with My Chem. Oh, I hope so. I'd, I'd like to see them. Me too. Great. Well, uh, my feature album this week is probably going to get me roasted by you or our friends or really anyone. Um, I mixed it up from what I originally told you I was gonna gonna um, have this week, um, but oh. it's Donda by Kanye West. <laughs> Don't give me that look. Okay, 
So I think this album, um, I mean, there was a lot of like bullshit around it, around it when it came out, right? Um, all those parties he had and viewing streaming parties he had and yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it wasn't great for when the album came out. I remember, um, pre-ordering this when it came out because I, I love Kanye. I've always loved Kanye's music. I've got all of his other records. Um, I hadn't spun this yet. And then I was, I just came home today and put it on. No idea why, because it's a pain in the ass to spin. It's like this lanky four LP. It, you feel like it's going to break when you pick it up. Um, there's no track listing on it. There's nothing. It's just black. <laughs> so, um, and because he's changed the, the, the layout of the album, all the track listings are in different order from when you, where you see it streaming. So it's a pain in the ass to actually spin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I put it on today and I just, it just hit me re- really hard. And I think it does lean into, you know, the whole gospel sound that I don't necessarily believe in that stuff. Uh, but objectively, musically, I think it just hits the right spots. Um, and I know that we talk a lot about, you know, how I, how we love a closer, how it usually leaves you with hope or how sad songs that we listen to like feel like the music feels hopeful. That's kind of what this kind of music does to me, to be honest. It's just not like emo alternative stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's hip hop and or gospel, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, and yeah, I think it's aged incredibly well. I was talking to a few of our mates today about it, saying like, fuck, go give it another listen. Um, and then, yeah, I thought I just wanted to feature it today. <laughs> so does it leave you hope that Kanye is going to be a good bloke or is it just like that things are going to get better? Um, it doesn't make me think of, ah, oh, fuck, you're trying to set me up for a cancellation here, Dave. Jesus. Um, what I'm do not. I think? Oh, this is a genuine question because from my point of view, he's an absolute dirtbag that like you he shouldn't have any airtime. That's how I feel about him, regardless of his status and whatever else. The way he carries mm. himself shouldn't warrant his following. Because if that was anyone else, mm. they'd be in the bin. I think he's definitely suffered. Like I don't think his following is as big as what okay. it was. Definitely, I reckon the last like three or four records he's done. Um, I, I don't, definitely don't think his followings is as big. Um, yeah. All the people that I know that like Kanye back in the day haven't been talking about this album since it came okay. out. Um, so I think he's, I think his following has kind of taken a hit. I do think that yeah, he's a bit fucked. Like I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not going to make excuses for him. No, I do think he's got problems that are bigger than what he can even control, which is playing a big part of it. Not that I agree with that. Um, but fuck, there are bands I listen to and the lead singers are dicks and he's just another one of those. So, um, look, I think musically, uh, he, he knows what he's doing and he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a dick outside of that, but I, I think he's just a dick. I don't think he's, yeah. I mean, everyone can make their own opinion up about him. Yeah. That's cool. That was just, yeah. Yeah. Question. Songs I want to call out, uh, and this is going to make me sound super bloody preachy. <laughs> Best on ground for me is uh, No Child Left Behind. Amazing track. I remember it was swirling around TikTok when it came out, and I thought I was like, fuck, this song is is epic. Um, Jail, uh, part one and part two. Great mm-hmm. tracks, and, and Jay-Z's on part one, and it's awesome. And then Praise God is the the last track. Um, it just, yeah, it, it just hits really well. Um, please go and listen to it. You might actually like some of it. <laughs> I know you probably won't, Dave, but that's fine. I might give it a go. I'll listen to yeah. the playlist and, 
and go from there. Oh, do I have permission to put this on the playlist, do I? <laughs> well, it's in the episode. It's on the playlist. Very good. Um, should we get into the pressic, pressing topic? Absolutely. Let's do it. So, um, as you mentioned at the top, we're really keen to talk about this one today. Uh, one of our favorite bands uh, for both of us really over the years. Uh, they've been around since 2004 and still kicking it today, which is good. And hopefully they come to Australia soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've released five albums, uh, one remixed album, five EPs and two splits. Uh, they've also done a documentary with a soundtrack accompanying that as well. Uh, they're one of the bands known in the subgenre as The Wave uh, and have been on really every Sad Boys radar at some point mm-hmm. in the scene. Uh, so today's pressing topic is La Dispute. You still cross my mind from time to time. I mostly smile Still so set in finding out Where we went wrong And why So I retrace our every step With an unsure pen Try to figure out what my head thinks But My head just ain't what it used to be. And then again, what's the point anyway? La Dispute. They, uh, yeah, founded in 2004 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jordan and Brad are cousins. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, they started and then they reached out to, to Kevin... Derek and Adam Cool, so yeah. they're the founding members. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> you got Jordan on vocals uh, and percussion. Mm-hmm. So you got um, Brad on drums, backing vocals and keyboards and mm-hmm. percussion as well. Clearly, uh, we got Chad, uh, who's a current member now. Um, he's on guitar and keyboards and programming, mm-hmm. lap steel, mandolin and trumpet. This is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, add it to the list. <laughs> um, so we've got Adam Vass, who's on bass and additional guitars, and Corey, who's on guitar. So that's a, the current lineup. Um, mm-hmm. So originally they had um, Derek on guitar, Adam Cool on bass, and Kevin on guitar. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a bit of a bit of movement around... Um, the, uh, around the years. Um, so they recorded, I'm going to go through the move in, movement now. So Derek left the band the day after they recorded Vancouver. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so he was replaced by Chad um, Sterenberg. Adam Cool's next part ways of the band in 2007, which is yeah. like... A little bit after um, somewhere at the bottom, uh, somewhere at the bottom of the river. Um, so that was 2007, and he was replaced by Adam Vass. Mm-hmm. Lots of like for like names replacements as well, which I find pretty interesting. That's actually yeah, really crazy. I'm just looking at the list now, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Kevin Kevin Whitmore left after Rooms of the House was recorded as well, and he was <laughs> replaced by Corey. Um, so it seems like. The writing recording process is pretty... Um, I just want to say, 
when Kevin left, I was sad. Like I was mm-hmm. genuinely sad. Um, and we'll talk a lot about the guitar soon, but fuck yeah, that, that was a sad day. Mm. So yeah, a bit of movement, but they've been pretty solid since then, since 2014. Um, yep. And they released Panorama since, so that seemed to go a little bit easier. So no one left after that, which is easy. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they formed in 2004, but they didn't actually release any music into until 2006. Um, that was when they bought out Vancouver, and that was on Friction Records, and that was the, mm. the only thing they released on Friction Records. Um, and then it wasn't until um, the last two um, lineup changes that they actually started to take the band seriously. Yeah. So it was just a bit of like a bit of a fun thing, and then mm. um, the two guys left, and um, and then they're like, "All right, well, we're going to do this serious now," which I find a bit strange, but it's mm. kind of kind of worked for them. Um, so to fill the void between uh, Vancouver and their first full length, uh, they released the um, an exclusive seven inch called Untitled, mm-hmm. which is two songs from the upcoming album. Just like yeah. uh, demos or pre-recorded, um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not sure how they released that. I must have done it through their Bandcamp. Um, I couldn't yeah. find out from 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 what I was reading. They did a lot through their Bandcamp through through the years, which I think's been pretty cool. Yeah, I've got their like, um, I've got the Panorama like font kit and all that kind of stuff that they just put on their on their Bandcamp one day. So I thought the oh, font was so cool. cool. So I downloaded it. Pretty yep. cool. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, Untitled came out and then they released um, the first of three parts of Here Here, mm. which is like a – it's described by Jordan um, as uh, we did it as a challenge to ourselves create, creatively as a way to expand our horizons and also broaden the context for anyone else who is interested in checking – who we are as a band. That's, yeah. I mean, those projects, um, like all three of them, I think are really unique in their own way. Um, but yeah, I, I actually really enjoy those. And probably mm. I enjoy the third one more than the first two. Uh, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about Here Here now because I listened to the, the, the Here Here podcast that they did. So they went yeah. through the process of, I remember one and two pretty clearly. Um, they all went their separate ways and then came back with bodies of music that they wanted to, to kind of put together that expo- inspired them. Yeah. And then they put them together in someone's garage and then Jordan just read poems or literature that he wanted to read over the top of the music. Yeah. So in some of them, you can actually hear cars driving past on the street while they're recording it. That's which is crazy. pretty cool. That is really um, cool. And it just shows like it works really well together. I know they probably had much more than the EP to kind of put together, but mm. like the way that they could, after one EP and started running one album, they could really like hone in together Do that. and like be cohesive in that way. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Cool little tidbit. I think, um, and look, I'll bring it up later when we start talking through like the wildlife era. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, the way they write music and the way they approach things is really kind of particular. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading through a bit about the band, um, I can't think of many bands that fall into this kind of 
category that are so they're not massive. They're not a massive band. No. Um, and even like local bands I hear and I talk to that, I mean, it's very much like one or two people writing it and then it kind of goes through or everyone will kind of do their bits and come together. Like they feel like they've got a really sound process. Um, and you can hear it from like the early days, like those EPs that came out, what, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's been something that they've kind of hanged their hat on their whole career, Definitely. really. Yeah. It's like they're classically trained musicians, but they're actually just some kids that kind of clicked. It's really cool. Yeah. They're pretty weird kids too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so they're, they're like quiet geniuses, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, um, November 11, 2008, they release, uh, somewhere at the bottom of the river between Vega and Altair. I'm not going to say that <laughs> the whole episode. So what do you just call it? Somewhere at the bottom. I just call it somewhere. So yeah, yep, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah. So, um, Along with Somewhere, they also released the second Hear Hear EP. Mm. And that 7-inch shipped with the first 300 copies sold of that album from No Sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. Fucking No Sleep. They probably still got a couple hundred of them in their warehouse. They're <laughs> <laughs> stuck at the distro. Yeah. Um, um, I didn't know that. that was That's cool. Yeah. And it'd be a cool surprise for people as well who got in early because... Like those first three hundred probably would have gone pretty quickly, but it got repressed pretty significantly after that. I think all their a lot, a lot like they've they've been they're a vinyl band. I feel like they've got yeah. a lot of like an album gets dropped or even their represses. They've got a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they like the aesthetic. Um, so the lyric the album's lyrical themes are based around an Asian folk tale regarding the plight of a prince and a princess who are separated after marriage by a river that they are not allowed to cross. So it doesn't actually use the concept as a whole. It's just a jumping off point for people who have similar struggles to that folklore. You're talking about the album or the EP? The album. Is that really what it was about? Yeah. Fuck. All right. So similar kind of thing would be like the Berlin Wall. So some people, there's stories about people who went to bed, went to a party one night in Berlin, in East Berlin, Wall went up one night and couldn't get back to West Berlin or people were split across that time. Very similar kind of thing. So it's pretty interesting kind of bit interesting kind of theme to, to kind of kick off an album about, but really um, relatable. I didn't know that. Um, That actually blows my mind. (laughs) Now that you say it, like, I mean, that's such an obscure thing. And I know poetry and stories, have always been something with the band and you know obviously wildlife is a big part of that and we'll mm-hmm. talk through that soon um but i didn't realize that was as specific as what kicked off that whole album mm, yeah so this takes us to the end of 2009 and so yeah. on christmas day they drop here here number three um that's a digital only release but they also dropped the untitled seven inch and the first two here here's as yeah. well as a christmas ep um, all those proceeds went to charity as well from that yeah. from that drop on Christmas in two thousand and nine. So that that takes us into uh, two thousand and ten. They did a lot of charity work, didn't they? Like I think yeah. I feel like with a lot of their drops, they're always kind of looking at giving back to mm. to causes or things, which I think's been really good. Um, especially like their hometown. I feel like they do a lot for the hometown, and, yeah. and they're more widely loved, which I think is really cool. 
they're pretty proud of where they come from and that's like a really good thing to to kind of hang your hat on is is being proud of your roots and and stuff like that so it's, it's um, really cool to see yeah um well i guess i'll pick things up after that mm-hmm. so i guess what spans between well, i guess obviously christmas day 2010 uh, mm-hmm. Wildlife came out the end of 2011. Um, in that time, like they were touring a lot, and I, yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen like the bands they toured with, but they toured a lot with like Alexis on Fire, um, like multiple times, um, mm-hmm. heaps of fest through Europe, uh, like Piano, Become the Teeth, um, Touche, and they've been on festivals together and stuff like that. They yeah. were touring a lot, um, and it wasn't actually until I really read through, you know, how Wildlife was recorded, how crazy their touring schedule was like, they were always playing shows, which is, mm-hmm. is just good. And that's probably why they're so well regarded now. Yeah. Cause they put in the work to, to grow their audience, I guess, because yeah, I, th- I think it's just nuts. Yeah. It's a testament to them though. It's like hardworking in the studio, hardworking on the road. And um, yeah, they've been on multiple tours with Touche, I think. And um, I can't remember who I saw them with when I saw them. Uh, when they came out? Well, my first time I saw them was on the Wildlife Tour and they, they yep. came out with pianos. So... Yeah. And that was when I found out about pianos. So um, that was the first time I saw them. Hmm. But, yeah. Cool. Anyways, so they started writing Wildlife a year after Somewhere came out. Um, and what was really interesting, when we talk about how they approach writing an album, this felt like a really specific album. And the whole, uh, I guess, the track listing, the the themes were all really well thought out before they even got to writing it. And, yep. you know, from the outset, they knew they wanted 14 tracks. And apparently they knew what each of those songs would be thematically. That's crazy. Which blew my mind. Like, I mean, at a, you're creating a concept for an album. And it is a concept album. We'll kind of get to that because they said some really interesting things that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um but they knew from the outset, like second or third album, but really second studio album. Yeah. They knew exactly what they wanted like a year after Somewhere came out. Like, and you just said the story about what Somewhere was based on. I just think that's hectic to, to have that kind of outlook on such a young band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's scary. Yeah. It'd be scary for someone to come in and like, all right, we're going to produce this. And you're like, we've got 14 songs. This is what's going to be. And then we got yeah. 14 songs only. Yeah, and we haven't written them. So how they actually went down. So Jordan actually wrote stories and we know he writes a lot. Um, mm. He's always been a writer um, first kind of thing and a bit of a poet. Um, but he actually wrote stories for each song before they even got together and started writing music. Um, so after he'd written those stories, they sat down as a band and the band essentially helped him like write the lyrics based mm. on those stories, which I thought was, which I thought was impressive for, for a, a third album for a band. Yeah. The band then went away and then wrote the instrumentals to accompany the lyrics like afterwards, which in a lot of instances, it's the other way around. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really cool. And I think it gives those songs purpose. And we talk about wildlife as an album. It, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like yeah, it makes every, every word sense. is really purposeful and the music accompanies it perfectly. You don't feel like there's any gap where. It's like a movie. Like, yeah. They write, the, write the movie and then put the score over the top. So it's kind of what they've done here. Yeah. Um, in doing the research, I actually then kept reading. Um, it just shows the awareness they had that they were trying to tell. Um, Jordan kind of said that they really were interested in writing a conceptual record 
uh, but with ambiguity so it would not limit the listener's experience, quote, oftentimes I think records with a linear narrative narrow the ways in which a person can enjoy it and not everyone wants to sit down and listen to something front to back. Mm. And I was like, fuck, that is... <laughs> they had a vision. and Yeah, it's a really good way to think of it, I think. Yeah. Because, like, in this day and age as well, you got Spotify, people are going to pick pick their songs. Yeah. And they're, and they're think, open to look, that. But you can also I, listen to it from front to back. I think this album should be listened to front to back. But no, no doubt, you can pick songs out of it, and they kind of exist on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact that how they walk that line was really impressive. Um. So I think from there, they had a really disjointed time. As I said, they were touring quite a lot. They had a disjointed time recording this one. They actually recorded six tracks in Chicago in November of 2010 and then finished recording in April the next year in New York. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty wild. Like, I mean, an album that's a concept album, I get they were planning it so far out, but that time between, like, your style could change, you could find different influence, but they managed to hold it down. Um, It still kind of worked, which was pretty crazy. That's impressive. Yeah. I didn't know that it was split off into two sessions. Well, I know you've got me listening to the the first ever pod, Jeremy Bohm's pod. Mm-hmm. And I picked up um, on the 100th episode, Jordan was talking about um, they record some songs here and some songs there. And um, Jeremy came and they did the split when they were in New York and all that kind of stuff. Um, yep. So when I was reading that half of it was done in Chicago, like nearly six, seven months beforehand, like pretty nuts. And what actually happened was they were touring Australia before this album came out. And when they got back from Australia, they said, we're not doing anything for two months. And they just finished the record before they went to New York um, to record, which is just nuts to think that they were just traveling, touring, uh, going all around the world and then trying to write this masterpiece of a record as we know it today. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Pretty wild. Makes you even think about it even more fondly after you put it that way. Yeah. So time goes on, uh, we get closer to March uh, in 2014, and they release Rooms of the House. Now, they left No Sleep Records um, to do their own thing under Better Living, Um, and yeah, they put out this record. (laughs) Um, I think, I know we'll talk about albums later, Mm -hmm. um, but this album was really interesting. I think if anyone here hasn't yet, um, but you're a fan of La Dispute, go and watch a Tiny Dots documentary. Because they're going to tell the story about this record a lot better than what you and I are going to do today. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting to hear about where the band was, and obviously they were touring a lot. They'd done all this kind of work, and then they were kind of at a crossroads with what would happen next, and should they do an album? And I think how this album came came together was really interesting. Mm. Um, so they went to a cabin in the woods, really, in, in Michigan, in, in the middle of winter. It looked cold and miserable, and they just wrote, um, together and, and separately and kind of put together these songs um, and put together quite another great album, to be honest. Mm, I agree, yeah. Um, I think they really push well, themselves, I think. I know Wildlife is like a big step. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and we'll talk about later, like, I, my thoughts. But, yeah, Rooms of the House, like, is, on par, I think, on par with that, with Wildlife. Well, I think what was interesting, and I'm not one to really think about producers, but um, all the time that we talk about Brian McTernan in Be Well and hearing about that, listening to the first ever pod and other podcasts where they talk about the influence producers have, Mm -hmm. um, this was the first time they'd worked with producer Will Yip. Yeah. Do you know him? Yep. 
So he went on to work on them with Panorama and the remaster of somewhere as well. Yep. Um, and I didn't know, like I'm not really across producers that well, but I went through and listened, look, looked at the list of who he'd worked with and I'm just going to rattle a off a few. Dog. Big dog. <laughs> so he's done uh, Title Fight, Turnstile, Defeater, Circus Survive, Citizen, Balance and Composure, Angel Dust, and more recently he's done the Movements Records, the last yep. uh, three or two. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. <laughs> like, from them to do wildlife and it be as good as it was to then get a pro- get a producer like Will Yip to come and do this album, but you can hear it. And I think yeah. it was per- it was a perfect time for them to get a producer like that to come on. And I think that's why I think they push themselves so hard, like you said. Yeah, like um, you can tell there's a there is a shift. Yeah, it's not like a huge shift, but you can tell that it's just kind of like polish that little bit more and yeah. um and like that's what you want from someone like will he you don't want him to to come in and change your sound completely he's no. just gonna make you better just prop you up a little bit this is my sentence i wrote in my notes dave and i think is exactly what you you kind of got to the point i said quote this album to me felt like the band were kind of forced to get their shit together mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can 100 percent see that in the documentary tiny dots so Go and listen to that. Go go and listen to that. Go and watch that doco you know, if you get your hands on it because it just tells the great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think what was cool to note at this time as well was the commercial success they were getting at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we talked about um, – and we've spoken about like billboard rankings and how really they're bullshit because, I mean, they're important, but they're, they're bullshit. But in, in history, we'll say at the end of time, this band ranked here on this day with this album and so forth. Mm-hmm. And this was their best charting record they've had, yeah. which I thought was impressive. So um, they were number 10 on top alternative albums, uh, number 11 for top rock, and actually number three on the US vinyl charts. Just going back to um, what you are saying about how they love the medium, I think yeah. this album was kind of like a compilation of all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, they had some really nice presses of that too when it, when it dropped. Um, yeah. Yeah. So time goes on. They toured that album like crazy. Uh, I think this is when they probably got bigger and probably expanded their audience a little bit more as well. And like we said about the production on Rooms of the House, I think it opened that a bit more. Yeah. Um, and then Panorama kind of came out five years later. Um, it was through Epitaph this time, which I thought was interesting because they just released one on their own label. I couldn't really find too much about what happened to that. No, probably costs. Yeah, I looked, but... I think they tried it and it just maybe didn't work, not cost-wise, I'm not sure. It's a lot of work because you've got to do oh, yeah. your management and you've got to do your vinyl and all that kind of stuff. If you can, Epitaph seem to be picking up a lot of these kind of bands in their mature time and really yeah. supporting them. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great move for them because they're supported. They can be creative. Like you can see what like Touche are doing on Epitaph and, and stuff yeah. like that. So. Um, to give them a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a, a leg up and be able to just be a band rather than be everything as well is really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so this album came out nearly nearly five years to the day after Rooms, which I thought was really impressive. Yeah, so pretty much after this album, um, they toured it for, for about a year mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. So it didn't really get too much of a life, I guess, this album. When, and, I mean, we'll get to our opinions on this album later on. Um, 
I'm going to crack some funnies later. So you've got that to look forward to, Dave. Okay, cool. But yeah, I think really, I mean, this was, I think that was still, I mean, I saw them twice in the year this came out um, or in the, in the era that this came out um, at Good Things. And it just felt like at both shows, they were still kind of riding the coattails of the earlier records. Mm. I just don't think this album, like the optics of this just wasn't really received as well, but we can get to that later. Um, But yeah, that's kind of their journey. And now they're playing shows on their wildlife 15 year anniversary, 10 year anniversary, yeah, 10 year anniversary. And they tweeted that they might come to Australia. So I'm so pumped. That'll be a great show. I'd love to see all those tracks. So um, before we get into the power rankings, I want to get into like our history of the band and how mm-hmm. we got into them. How like have, have we seen them live and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, I heard them probably in around 2011. So I just started um, collecting vinyl. I'd gotten into Touche and someone told me that I should listen to this band, La Dispute. And I was like, what kind of name is that for a band? Like, I'm, Yeah. And um, anyway, they sent me a, a YouTube link for Summer at the Bottom. And then that's basically history yeah. like it's um the those two openers just really well i was like whoa what like what is this yeah because i think they're probably the most unique band that i can think of for their like theme well, I and think, theme and sound yeah. for especially for what i came from so i came from very like emo screamo pop punk background now i'm listening to like this person talking about some of the darkest stuff of basically heard along with these yeah. kind of erratic abrasive tones it was like yeah. a punch in the face but in like in a good way i think um i agree so and it's funny that you say that um you were you found touche through la dispute you're saying no i found la, la dispute through touche that's right i found touche through la dispute so yeah. I got on board. Um, I knew like the, a few of the singles from somewhere, uh, but it wasn't until Wildlife came out that really kind of sucked me in. Uh, yeah. And I think it was the storytelling uh, which did it for me. But that's when I then found Touche and Parting the Sea and everything and went on that journey uh, for a few years there before I kind of dropped off. Um, but I agree. Like I think there wasn't a band doing this, you know, and I was into all the sad boy crap, like mm-hmm. you name it. Um but I don't think there was a, like, just the lyric. It wasn't like anything I'd heard of before. Um, and it was like poetry. I know we talk a lot about music being like poetry, but this literally is that. Yeah. <laughs> the spoken word cool. kind of taken to another level. Yeah, for sure. And just, like, the emotion portrayed, like, these guys are on the same level as, as Touche. So you, you just, like, two very good storytellers in two different in two different ways of telling stories and make you feel the same way. Yeah, really cool, and it's addictive. I think it's like yeah. you get addicted to to listening and feeling stuff when you listen to these bands. I think for me, it was also probably one of the first bands where, especially with Wildlife, and we'll talk about that album later on. Yeah, uh, like in a bit more in depth, but it was almost like the content was probably a bit more shocking than other stuff we've been listening to. Yeah, like totally. it really felt like fuck. This is this is kind of serious music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I remember there'd be sad boy bands that we'd listen to and we'd all kind of take the piss out of and have a laugh. But then when this would come on, we'd be like, oh, fuck, like this is heavy. And I think yep. it was one of those first bands that, you know, if it looks it, it, it sounds like it, it probably is sad, <laughs> you know, yep. compared to other shit we listen to. So, yeah, they were, yeah. And like out of all the bands through that era that probably stuck around with me more, this is one that did. Yeah. Um, like I said, Touche, like we know I dropped off for a few years. A lot of those other melodic hardcore bands, I kind of dropped off a little bit. But that dispute always stayed around. And I think because of that content and how they tell stories, which did it for me. Yeah, for sure. And they, yeah, they've, they've been a constant for me, I think. Yeah. Like I pre-ordered Wildlife, pre-ordered Rooms of the House and kind of missed Panorama. I think it was... I was kind of out of music a little bit when that kind of got announced, but like I've got a copy and uh, I spin it pretty regularly, try and get to it. Well, five years in between albums was a lot. Yeah. And you had a lot of music drop in those years, right? Um, And bands that we loved were getting lost because they weren't, they weren't as active or they weren't Mm. releasing music and, you know, we, our taste change and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting five years for them not to be as active. Definitely. And it would have been hard to follow up those two. The yeah. Two really great albums. Yeah. Um, so I've only seen them the once. I saw them at the Corner Hotel. It must have been on the Rooms of the House tour. I think I was at that show. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think I was at that show because I've seen them at the Corner and then I've seen them at billboards was it the year before like a few years before maybe mm, potentially i can't remember and then you saw them at good things i saw them at good things which was great massive stage a lot of people turned up for it which was great uh but like i said panorama didn't really hit mm-hmm. <laughs> as well which was fine but they definitely played a lot of their old stuff which i think you know it was what the album had been out for eight months at that point yeah and, it, and it, like I said, it wasn't received well, I don't think. And it still, I don't think, is, has been received well um, no. from from the general punter. I think um, proper news outlets that, that report on this stuff think really highly of the album. And I think, that, and it's, to be honest, it took me a good three years to probably love this album. Yep. Um, and it is great. And there is a lot of great in it. But yeah, um, I remember seeing them on the Wildlife Tour and that was one of the best days of my life at a gig. <laughs> mm, that was, yeah, one of the, the most moving shows I've been to. Yeah. Should we get into the, the releases? Yeah, so let's, um, we're going to start with Vancouver. We're just going to do the albums, right? Yep. Let's do the albums and then we'll get into the power rankings. <sighs> Love a power ranking. Just want to know, I think our power rankings for the albums aren't going to be too difficult. I think it's going to be the songs um, where we're going to have a lot of chats on. For me, anyway. Yep. I, I, I My albums will be really quick. Yeah. Yeah. So Vancouver. Yeah. Early days, really raw, but really kind of cool. I don't really listen to it that all that much. I don't think I've listened to it in four years I yeah. think, before we started talking about it. I don't know why I don't, because it's good. Like it's yeah. really raw, screamo kind of stuff nearly. Yeah. I really enjoyed listening back at it like the last few weeks. Yeah. I kind of rediscovered it early this year or maybe late last year and I was like yeah. oh damn some some people put put up how much how expensive it was on on discogs and and how it'd be really cool to get a repress and all this kind of stuff and I was like oh I better give that a another go it's been a little while 
How expensive like, are we talking? Like three hundred US. It's like the story so far is EP, just like yeah, you know, want it repressed. Yeah, and there's like a thousand of them as well. I think something like yeah. that. So um, yeah, found myself like bopping along, and there's like the instrumental track and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So really cool, really solid effort. It's just oh, uh, I think for for like a demo slash first album, um, for a band that didn't take themselves seriously at the yeah, start, like. Fucking, they, they did well. Hmm. So we've got um, somewhere at the bottom of the river between Vega and Altair. Uh, so 2008. Like, as I said earlier, my f- first experience with the band and it was like, just like absolutely bl- flabbergasted, basically. Yeah. Remember, it was like, I was driving to Docklands for work and I sat in my car just... Had, just had to finish listening to it, so I was like late for work and just uh, just had to finish it off because I was just like. See for me, the, yeah, I think this album. So I, I had I'm not a playlist person, as you know, mm-hmm. um, but with this album, I think I was I treated it like a playlist kind of album. So I had picked songs that I'd loved from it, yeah, because I thought I'm not saying there's filler on it, but i don't think it was as compelling of a story as later releases they've done right yeah. and it wasn't until i think last year or the year before when i picked it up on, on on vinyl and spun it through front to back a few times and i was like fuck this actually is a really good story and i think it flows really well yeah. and i think because i got on a wildlife i just never gave it the time that i would yeah. a new release so this is a fantastic album and and arguably one of the best openers of all time Absolutely. Like, I think they still play it to open shows. Probably. I think they played it when we saw them. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing them at Good Things, and it was nuts. A lot of people there for that show, and it was like, fuck, this song still hits, like, yeah. 15, 17 years later. Yeah. A thing that did take me a little while to get used to, though, was, like, the odd time signatures, where it was just yeah. everything was, like, a little bit a little bit off time for me. And I love that. Of- <laughs> Yeah, I know you love that because it's math. It's like, yeah, but um, yeah, it did take me a little while, but I was just, I was in like just engaged with the story, so that part didn't matter. And then once I listened yeah. to it repeat, it took me a little while to get used to that. And yeah. um, but that's like a minor. It's a stylistic choice, so I understand why they did it, and it works. Yeah. Just took me a little while to get used to it. Yeah, wildlife. Whew. Massive, massive album. Maybe one of the most iconic ones in our scene, uh, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think there'd be many albums post-2010 that I'd put up as high as this nearly. There are a few. There are a few. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. Um, it's just a, like an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Like, I remember pre-ordering it and I was like, yeah, this Light Dispute album's coming. Like... Didn't even know what to expect. And then you just get... It was like nothing I'd ever heard of, the storytelling mm. on this record. Yeah. And I'm going to go through in my songs, cheeky uh, cheeky preview later. But the storytelling is the be- some of the best storytelling on any music ever. Yeah. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about songs that paint a picture because there are so many songs I could name that paint a really good picture of a point in time in, in a song. Yeah. But an album that really takes you like on a journey... Yeah. There aren't that many, I don't think, that do it this well. Um, 
and the ups and downs are just perfect. And you're going to hear me talk a, a lot from here on out about guitars. Um, and I'm not an instrumental person. I'm not, I don't get the fucking technical side of things, but yeah. the fucking guitars, man. <laughs> like, right. You're going to hear it like probably every album, every song I talk to for the rest, I'm going to talk about the guitars. <laughs> so, yeah. Because they pull your heartstrings just as much as the, the words do, dude. Fucking more so nearly. And yeah, fuck, I'm going to tell the story. I don't know if I've said it on the pod before, but this album, and I'm going to talk about it when I when I go through the songs later, but I, have, I don't think I've said on the pod the story about early sunsets on this. No. So I'm going to tell the story for the people listening at home. Obviously, Mike Cam, I'll find a way to bring him up in every episode. <laughs> so sorry, Dave. You're going to have to hear the story again because I've told you a hundred times. Um, but when Mike Cam were writing, when they, when they first started and they were writing Bullets, um, early sunsets um, over Monroeville um, when they were doing the demo and Frank wasn't in the band yet. Mm. Um, it was just, it was, it was, it was an okay song. Like I haven't heard that version of the song, but Frank took that song into a van and put over these beautiful little like guitar notes over the top. Um, and I've spoken to you about this every time I talk about that album, every time I talk about music yeah. and that was such an important part of my music journey into, into, in regards to what I like. And I think this band does that on every song. Yeah. You can listen to every song and they've got these guitar bits. I'm just, it flashbacks me back to when I first listened to early, early sunsets. sunsets or I've, I found out that that's how Frank wrote those bits was he took the already made track and added on top. And I think this, this band does it so well on every song and it's just fucking perfect. Oh man. It's so good. Um, yeah, as I was saying, you already you pretty much summed it up as much as I can. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a it's a piece of art as well as Absolutely. a piece of music. Yeah, there's only, yeah, I can think of like one or two albums that stand up really close to it, and no. like, and they're they're probably just as, just as good, but they just hit differently. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Not to mention the art direction of this album too. This was perfect for the scene at that time. Like 2011, yeah. MySpace was kind of dying. Um, everyone, like the aesthetic of fucking like cold winters, fucking, you know, the writing, the logo became real big, what, 2010? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this album was it had the logo everywhere. Like aesthetically, this was the perfect album for the scene yeah. at that time. We're moving Tumblr on from MySpace. Yeah, Tumblr blew up. Dude. Tumblr yeah, Tumblr, <laughs> Tumblr blew up. We're going from the MySpace into the Tumblr yeah. era. Yeah, it's Landscapes with lyrics on it, mate. This, yes. this is Wild Life's fault. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's very good. I like that. I had a few of those saved on my phone. Don't worry about that. Oh, I was a full on Tumblr, like fucking doing my blog and all that bullshit. And... Proud. Yeah, I was one of those. <laughs> so, twenty fourteen rooms of the house. Yep. Like wildlife, almost impossible to follow up. Really, if you think about okay. it, like. But, um, like, I didn't want Wildlife 2. Like, you know, no, I, people, I didn't either. And, like, I didn't expect a Wildlife 2 either, which is fine. And they really brought it, I think, with... I'm going to... Yeah. I don't think people emotionally were ready for Wildlife 2. I still don't think we're ready for yeah. that. Can I go out here with the hot take? Okay. Rooms of the House is what the Black Parade was to Three Cheers. Mm, okay. That's my hot take. I think, yeah, that's my take. 
I think Rooms of the House, this is going to be my hot take, all right? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Rooms of the House is a better body of work than Wildlife, but Wildlife has some bigger songs. Bigger songs, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. As a whole, it tells, like, I think it flows and works really a lot, not better, but I think it's a better body of work from them, for me, like... Yeah, wildlife's still up there because it's like that apex mountain. As we, like, well, my question to. was, yeah, I, I didn't bring it up earlier because we weren't talking albums. But I said before we get into the next album, wildlife is their apex mountain moment, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. They're up there. They're at the top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I probably agree with you from where they were as a band. I think musically, this album more sound like you said. Yeah. Um, but I agree the tracks aren't as big as probably even somewhere, to be honest. Like, Yeah. But as like a cohesive whole album, I think it, it, it's their best album. Yeah. But like it may not be their most revered or their most favoured. Mm. Yeah. Because the big tracks on Wildlife just blow it out of the water. Agree. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So um, don't cancel me. No, that's right. It's good. I think we both had some pretty spicy takes there. I can't wait to see if people listen to this that love the band, what theirs is too. I know Mm. we'll go through our rankings in a minute, but yeah, I think um, that um, that Rooms is a masterpiece. And I think watching Tiny Dots made me appreciate it more. Mm. So I can't recommend people to go watch it. We should find like a link and we can put it in the bio or something. Because yeah, fuck that shit's good. It's real great. So yeah, the five years passed, then we got Panorama. Can I tell you what I wrote? I thought this was quite funny. Okay. First thing that came to mind when I thought of this album, I know you're a Batman fan, so you're going to like this. You either die a hero <laughs> or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that is enough to say about that album. <laughs> Do you know what was re- like the concept or the, the, the theme of the album? It was about um, Jordan and his partner driving back to their hometown, right? Yeah. Driving from yeah. Grand Rapids to Boston. Yeah. And that's all I know about it. I, this album was so hard to find things on. I was reading reviews. Yeah. It's like everyone got the same bloody press co- press release. I had no idea what the fuck this album was about. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to dissect what it was about. I know that they that was it. But in regards to track by track, I couldn't tell you what mm. they're trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what's the song? Rose, Quartz 2... Yeah, like is is about street signs that they drive past on their their drive and, and stuff yeah. like that. It's really like an interesting topic. I think it's it's growing on me, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, like a lot of fans didn't like it, but musically it's quite good. When I when I when I say that I think Rooms of the House was a perfect balance yeah. between wildlife and a more refined sound. This is unbalanced, too refined, not enough rawness. Yeah. And I think it's fine. It's okay. And instrumentally, I mean, I think they lost a bit when Kevin left the band. Yeah. And I think you can really hear that on this album. Even just his influence. Like you watch Tiny Dot Stocko and you can see his influence on Jordan and how mm-hmm. he sees things. I think, yeah, this was just probably a step too far, which is fine. You know, it's probably, it's more mature. Um, I think lyrically it's fantastic, but it just doesn't hit the same yeah. that's yeah. fine yeah that's okay so but people still hate it like, yeah. people still don't like it yeah, like, right. i hear people and they're like this fucking sucks 
which is sad, but um, yeah, I, th- I reckon it was it was kind of almost done before it even came out. Well, they did the remixed ones. The remixed album came out, and I know they were plugging that for ages. And they, those remixes sucked, man. Like, yeah, I didn't like the remixes either. Um, I'm hoping that we don't have to wait five more years for more music. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping like Jordan got real sad and locked down and wrote some stuff because I think I'd like to hear what he has to say. Mm. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Mm. You know what time it is? Power rankings. Number five. You want to go first? Oh, I'll go first. I got Vancouver at number five. Oh, okay. I've also got Vancouver at number five. Oh, really? Are we going to have the same? No, we're not going to have the same. Mm. Number four, I had Panorama. Same. Number three? Somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Drum roll. Number two. Yeah, number two? Rooms of the house. I had wildlife. Oh. Yeah. And then obviously I had rooms and you had... Wildlife. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, Rooms is just... I think it's a perfect album. And we're going to go through the songs and I fucking couldn't do my list justice. Um, but Rooms is just so good. And I mean, we talk about what I like in music, how like the feeling it gives you, regardless of what the lyrics do. Yeah. I think Wildlife is, like I said, sounds sad. You Like it looks sad. It's sad. Rooms, yeah. you feel so many different things, and I think that's why I like it. Mm. Yeah, like wildlife and rooms are like one and one basically. And yeah, like, they, like it's just, I, th- yeah, I think wildlife hit me initially harder than rooms did, but like it's they they're both like yeah interchangeable. Yeah, and we said that the the like the rankings yeah. are. The, the easy part. Well, the easy part for you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find it hard doing the rankings? No, not at all. But you said it was easier than the songs. Um, Can I just say, when we get to, like, the songs, although, like, the albums are, are for me, a clean cut, the songs yeah. are not. And, fuck, I had a really hard time putting my mind together. I'm happy with where I, I settled on. I think it kind of tells a good story. Mm-hmm. But I had, like, how many fucking did I have? Um... I have like, I reckon 15 songs in my honorable mentions that I then had to cut down so that I wasn't talking for like 30 minutes on just songs to listen to. Well, do you want to tell me your number five? I thought I'd do so. How how well do you know your um, My Dispute lyrics? Oh, I don't have them memorized (laughs) anymore. All right. I wrote down a lyric from each song that for me, I think they're pretty easy to be honest. I wrote down a lyric from each song and I'm going to read that lyric out and you're going to try and guess what the song is. Okay. Trivia. Yeah. I've, 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 um, I've got this on you like randomly. So thank you. My fifth track. The line is we played house with the neighbors in the basement. Easy song. For mayor in splitsville from rooms of the house is my fifth track. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And this was arguably, one of five, one, one, one of eight songs that could have been number five. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about how this album, I think, how this album, how this band instrumentally, um, and like I said, I'm going to talk a lot about guitars, so bear with me, um, is such a standout for me. And I think this song embodies everything that Rooms of the House does. Yeah. I think it's both got moments, both soft and heavy. They found that balance between raw moments, um, but use like they use quiet in their, in their favor. Yeah. And their guitar work, man, just insane. And I think this song just embodies all of that. 
and it was a single. I know it was one of their lead singles off the album, um, but I think the progression of the song is just fantastic. And yeah, I had a real hard time picking which song to put. Um, and it just, yeah, ended up being this one. It could have been anything. <laughs> could have <laughs> been yeah. anything. I'll, right. I'll go through my honorable mentions later and I'll tell you which ones I think were more honorable than others. <laughs> okay. So you got a, you got power rankings for your honorable mentions. There. <laughs> yeah. Right. What's your <laughs> number five? You know, I've done the same thing. I've done a lyric for each of my songs. Are you kidding me? No. Are you, you're, you're, you're being legit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, except for my number two, but yeah, that I'll get to that later. Wow. Are you going to do the same thing? Are you going to read it out to me and I need to guess? Yeah. Fuck, this is going to be hard. Oh, this one should be pretty easy. Um, so my one is like, have you ever watched a slow thaw come around? Have you, have you waited in the cold and hazy blue? There's an airport there out near the edge of town. I've been thinking too much of you. Um, it's off rooms. Bum, bum. No, fuck, hit me. So it's Safer in the Forest slash Love Song, Poor Michigan, off Wildlife. Fuck, I should know that. That was one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> Why'd you pick this song? Um, I just love the, I think, I just love the, the guitar, the the melody that carries through the song. It's yeah. like a palate cleanser from, it's like the up of that roller coaster. It's yep. like the, just. Exactly it's a great what, song. Yeah. It's exactly what we talk about every week. It's like. The song, the sound, like it makes you feel good, but it makes you feel bad, and it just sets you up for that drop um, in the next song. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number five, Safer in the Forest, love song for poor Michigan. I can't wait to know how many songs you have on Wildlife in your top five. Don't tell me, obviously. Um, Number four. So this was also a hard one. Could have been one of three. Mm-hmm. in a series. I know I, I teased you the other week that um, I nearly had a, a track where I wanted to name three. Mm-hmm. Um, so the line is, I'll tell you the three songs and I'm going to give you the line and you can let me know what you think. The three songs I would have picked for this spot was either a departure, a letter or a poem. Okay. Yeah. And the line was, sorry, I know I seem angry. Mm-hmm. Do you know that one? Yeah. Which one? No. It's a letter, so the middle yeah. part of the album. I think I, I picked this one because how the song builds. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the departure at the start of the album is it starts off slow, but then goes bang, you know, and it kind of kicks off the album in this amazing way. I think a poem summarizes, well, it's just before King Park. Yeah. And I think it kind of, it feels like a finale, even though it's a thir- like two thirds of the way through the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but a letter just feels perfectly balanced there. It starts off slow, it progresses, but then it just keeps kind of going. Like the melody comes in at the half point mark. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It continues to build and pulls back and then the guitars fucking hit you with this amazing like yeah. soft riff and it's like, fuck. So that's why I put a letter as my fourth track. Awesome. A and letter it's a is, Yeah. A letter is one of my uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. So what I wrote, I really love how this song sounds and how the guitars carry Jordan through the song and Fuck carry. Dude. Yeah. I, I just, I just, yeah, I just don't get it how they, they do it so well and more bands. I don't do it as well as this. They'll have moments. Don't get me wrong, but this band consistently delivers on fucking that. those just soft guitars. And it's beautiful. Yep. Show number four. 
My number four. Do you want the lyric? Yeah, I want the lyric. I'm going to get it wrong anyway. I live alone now, save for the echoes. It's not first reactions, is it? No. Oh, fuck. I'm so off. Hit me. It's woman reading. Oh, fuck. Why did I know that? So, um, it's exactly why we talk about a letter. It's just like, it sounds like there's hope, but it's actually written. The song's about like the destruction of a relationship or falling apart of a relationship. Yeah. Um, and it is like a pair, one in a pair, um, songs from rooms of the house. And I think it's just a, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you can kind of relate to in a big way because we've all been through breakups and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just a really touching song. Lovely, it's a great song. It might it might come up in my list. Who knows? <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> so can number, I do three, number three, you can do number three first. Then, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have a lyric for this song, so I'm just going right. to hit you. me with it. So it is the pair to woman reading. So it's woman in mirror. I'm going to be completely honest with you, dude. I had them in my list, but I paired them together. <laughs> As one song. Yeah, fuck, I didn't care. We spoke about this. <laughs> I know, we ta- I thought we were talking about something else. Anyway, um, I, I relate to this song so much. Yeah. Uh, especially since lockdown. Um, just that... Um, oh, I've got the lyric there. Tiny dots on an tiny endless dots timeline. on an endless timeline. That's what I fucking had to. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck! What a track. <laughs> um, yeah, absolute track. Like, um, COVID hit me pretty pretty hard, and yeah. it was a bit of a struggle. And those tiny dots on an endless timeline became big dots. Um, yeah, and like. This is the first song that, like, like really cemented Jordan as like a poet for me, yeah, and someone I could relate to, like on a personal level, kind of thing. Yeah. He wasn't just like a guy who's like yelling stuff. He was like really just putting himself out there. So, absolute banger. So that's my number three. I'm gonna. I got. I got. I got things to say on that song, but I'm gonna bring it up later. Okay. I'm sorry. I should. Okay. I'm gonna, if I had to pick one, I'd pick that one too. But I'll get to that fucking later. <laughs> no, no, number three. This is an easy one. I would have thought for a lyric. You still cross my mind from time to time. Is that your? That's probably your number two, isn't it? No, it's not on your list. Obviously. Um. Oh, I know the song. I just yeah. <laughs> you stumped me. Um. Go and hit me. Andrea, from somewhere. Oh, I love so talk about guitars being a massive part of this band for me. And I've told you the story about early sunsets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this song is what embodied this in the band for me. So every time I listen to a light dispute song, I knew that I was looking, I'll listen to it trying to pick up the guitars yeah. because what early sunsets was for, for my chem and my early listening of them, this band and this song is kind of what did that for me all the mm-hmm. way through. I think, 
the way the song progresses to instrumentally, lyrically, and then also how Jordan's vocals are delivered. Yeah. I think it's just, it grows and grows and grows. And then you think it's going to like plateau out and the melody kind of kicks in, but then I don't know how they write the music, but <laughs> the bass kind of takes you up and then everything's going again. It's not louder. It's not heavier, but it's just what the, it's like. They trick you into thinking the song's progressing and it's like, fuck, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. It's an early song. Um, it's the only song I have of somewhere. I nearly put another song on there from there, but um, this song I think is one of some two more. So, mm-hmm. spicy giveaway there. <laughs> okay, so my number two, I did to you. What did you do? I combined two songs. That's fine. What did you do? I know which one did you did. Can yeah. I guess? Yeah. It's the first two off somewhere. Yeah. Such small hands and said the king to the river. Maybe one of the best openers to an album <laughs> like of, of the 2000s. There's one other. And that's the opener to Boy Sets Fire after the eulogy. So the intro into Rookie. Really? It's the only one that matches it. Okay. I would actually like to... Actually, no, I'm not going to make this in my chem pod. But the end into Dead is a fucking back-to-back yeah. bangers. Yeah. I don't think you can... You can't listen to Such Small Hands without listening to said The King to the River. So, like, yeah, It's like a minute 30, isn't it? It's so yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. These are the first two songs I've heard from them. And it's just like... It's just brutal. And... Yeah. I... I like... I love openers. Yeah, could have easily been number one, I think. They're amazing. And I think it just, when when you hear like that song come on with the guitars as well. Oh my God. Incredible. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like, I don't know what it would be like. I can't imagine, I'm trying to think of another song. It's like the hero in the G note, <laughs> you know, for the emails for Welcome to the Black Parade. You hear those guitars go at the start. It's just like, oh my God. I just want to like scream. Yeah, kick some stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna do, I'm gonna do something different. Do you want to go with your number one? Because your number one might be my number two, and I don't okay. want to take that away from you. So my number one is King Park. Like banger. <laughs> oh, mate! Just the whole, like the whole progression of the song, the whole, um screaming at the end, will I still get into heaven if I kill myself, all that kind that of was, stuff. That was my line. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing that for the live. first time. Oh, my God. Sing it live. <laughs> like, fucking <sighs> heavy, heavy shit. <laughs> oh, man. And just, like, the whole band, you can see, they carry that. So, oh, yeah. Not just Jordan in the lyrics. Like, they're in there in that moment as well. Like, usually yeah. a front man take that kind of limelight away from the rest of the band but like it's just it's probably the most moving song ever yeah uh, uh, that was my number two for those yeah yeah that was my number two and I knew it was probably going to be your number one and I think like for me it was a massive game changer yeah but I think for most people in the scene this song kind of like and I talked about the album being like serious right and it being like yeah. fuck alright this isn't this is real shit I think this song embodies that um and just to put some context, when this came out, I was finishing year 11. Um, and I have like vivid memories, right? And I know I'm young, showing my, my, my youth. <laughs> um, 
But when this song came out, I vividly remember that point in my life, you know, it was the end of the year, it was like school holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was running a mark. I was listening to bands like fucking D's Nuts, Hand of Mercy. You know, just like these like fucking taking the piss hardcore bands, you know, going out, drinking with my mates, running all around town, yeah, um, riding our bikes around and stuff, like to all hours of the night, going to different parties. And then, and we're all into like the emo stuff. And then this song would come on at a playlist or at a party and you'd be like, you'd feel the song kind of through you, right? Yeah. And being kids... You like, and I know gun violence isn't a big thing in Australia, mm-hmm. but yeah. you can't help it. Regardless of who you are, put yourself in those shoes. Like, imagine being both the the person, like, what's the fucking the main character of the song, mm-hmm. but being on the other side, like, it just hit, hits really hard. And I think yeah. it's it's a difficult listen. You know, I've put that song on; and it's come on shuffle, and I've had to skip the song because I know the people I'm with. Yeah. It's kind it's of hard to even listen in a public setting unless you're seeing yeah. it live. Like, it's it's almost a headphone song. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you couldn't listen to it while you're having dinner or something like that. It's like a very yeah. time and place kind of song. But, um, yeah, if you haven't haven't heard it, um, if you made it this far, um, definitely do yourself a favour. And this is exactly the song I was talking about when I said earlier that this song will take this this album, but this song in particular will take you on a journey, not just yeah. paint a picture of a, of a moment in time. It'll make you feel all the emotions right to the end. Yeah. And, you know, in my history of music, there's only one other song that I think visually tells a story more vividly and more what the fuck than this song. And that's yeah. Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique. Have you ever heard that song? No. Go listen to it after this, after we record. It is like way more grim than this. Um, it's like mm. a nearly 10 minute song, but both of those songs, both I discovered around the same time. Yep. And um, yeah, they're heavy, real heavy. Nice. But yeah. So do we get into your last ones? Yeah. Well, so I did the same thing you did with tracks um, or such more hands and Kings. Mm-hmm. I did woman and just woman, <laughs> both of them. Yeah. <laughs> So in reading, uh, in mirror and reading. Yeah. So I spoke at the start of my list about Mary and Splitsville, about the band finding that balance. Yep. Uh, and I think these two songs do that for me, both when you listen to them together, which I think they are meant to be, they are meant to be listened to together. Uh, I think they're different songs, hundred percent. They're different songs. The only constant is how Jordan delivers the lyrics. I think. Yes. Yeah. And the content, I think like instrumentally they're different. Um, and we talk about how music can make you feel hope and how the lyrics can bring you back down. I think these songs like mirror each other. I know that's fucking pun intended, but, (laughs) um, like in mirror, it feels like a sad song and it is a sad song. Reading feels like there's hope, but it's about being alone at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think these songs perfectly like reflect what it is I love about this band and, and, and just music in general where they can both be sad songs, but. Yeah, as a pair, I think if you listen to them back to back, you'll go on a journey and by the end you'll be like exhausted because <laughs> you felt all of this stuff as the song's gone on, but then you realize at the end that fuck, you're alone. Yeah. So that was a good top five. I think we had more crossover than I thought. Yeah. We're, we're just too, too similar, Dave. <laughs> yeah. We're very different but similar at the same time. But um, I'll just check out like... 
some of my um, uh, honorable mentions. Sorry, my brain yep. just stopped. Um, yep. So I had a letter, which we discussed before. Um, I love Andrea that you were talking about and yep. um, a departure as well. I love an opener. Yeah. Um, and I also don't mind. It's like a normal mention. It's probably outside of that, but I, th- I feel like I wanted to have a, a song from Panorama in there. Oh, what you, I had, I have two honorable mentions from Panorama, but I want to know what yours is. What was okay, yours? Okay. So my one is Fulton street one. I like, I just oh, like, I didn't have that. I like how the song just goes. I just love the ebb and flow of the song and like, yeah, it's musically, it's kind of cool. And it's like another track two, another open yeah. song, but, um, I think they do them really well. Um, and, um, yeah, so there's a ton of great tracks. I just try and try to, to narrow it down to that five, that five to 10 tracks. Yeah. So the whole catalog's quite good. Fuck. You've put a bit of pressure on me to, to bring mine down. So I'm just going to, I've got, <laughs> go ahead. I'm, just... I'm going to read, I'm going to read all the ones I had. So I had what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16 honorable mentions. I originally had, what, 21 songs, and I picked from the 21 to get to my top five. So you've got half their catalogue in a list. Fuck, I'm not going to say all of them. I'm going to say, can I say just two pick- off each album? Yes. Yep, let's do that. So just on the back of Panorama, yep. I think honorable mentions for me were Runner, Road and Night <laughs> and Grief. Yeah. Good I think that that's a, that's good. And I think instru- uh, vocally, I think it's probably the most powerful on the record. So that's mm-hmm. why it was my favorite. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go through such more hands or said the king, uh, but actually, fall down, never get up, never get back up again. Uh, for me, was my second favorite song off somewhere. Yep. Uh, off um, wildlife, mm-hmm. uh, Saint Paul Missionary Baptist Church blues is one that nearly made the cut along with Edward Ben's 27 times. Yeah. That's a six. Um, the sort of banger songs. And then, I mean, you could have had all of rooms of the house on there, but the two that I wanted to highlight was extraordinary dinner party mm-hmm. leading directly into objects in space, a great closer. I think the best closer they have. I love objects it, in space. It's so fuck. Good. It's, like I want to give this song some time because I love a closer and we haven't, I haven't spoken about any closers yet, but it is so anticlimactic of a song. Yeah. Um, but you finish the album feeling everything the album wants you to feel and you want to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bleak. It's grim. Go and watch tiny dots because you'll understand why the album sounds the way it does. Uh, and it's perfect. I think for what the album was and, Needs to be an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So I have one more honorable mention, and it's oh. from the Touche More split they did. So the song's called How I Feel. So I just feel like those split songs maybe get missed a little bit in the, the yeah. white array, but How I Feel is a, a great track. So yeah, I'll just pop that in there. That was fun. Hmm. It was. I, I feel bad that I did Woman as my songs that I had the two. So that was the, there was, when we spoke and you said, Oh, can I have two songs as one? I was yeah. like, yeah. Cause I thought you would have had the same as me. Almost did it twice. So I thought I'd split them up just to make it fair. <laughs> what would have you, what would your fifth song being? If you could have put them together? A letter. Uh, very good. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't break it up. 
Yeah. And I, I would have picked in mirror um, over reading, but mm. they yeah. needed both being there. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I, I think split, you could. Yeah, I split yeah. them because they're two different songs, like you said. So <laughs> whatever. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> Um, great band. I can't wait for us to do Touche because we're going to have the same issues. Oh, man. I'm really scared for the day we do that. That's going to... Yeah. I think the album's going to be harder to to rank. I know mine. I've already done mine. Okay. Because in the Touche, in the the Jeremy pod, they ranked them. Yeah. And I was like, fucking Jeremy, you've got no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that could not be your fifth favorite. Yeah. But um, no, yeah, I can't wait to do that episode too. And I think um, I'm so glad we did this one. A lot of people. Yeah, go and give them a listen. Like we're plugging them on the on the socials. We'll find a a link to Tiny Dots for anyone who who's interested in watching it because yeah, that's a really great doco. Yeah, and um, they did tweet that they were looking at coming to Australia soon for their wildlife anniversary tour. So keep an eye out for that. Hopefully they come out with Touche and they can play Parting the Sea as well. Two of the best albums to come out of 2011. Yep. So, yeah, fingers crossed. (laughs) Well, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.con.pod on both platforms. We love the feedback and the convos that are generated from these these episodes. That's why we do it, to talk music with everyone. So we love hearing from you guys. Um, yeah, keep up keep up the, uh, the good work. Yeah, love it. All right, mate. Well, I'll speak to you soon. Chat to you then. Bye. Right, see ya.